Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. You may recall that last Sunday morning, we used the first portion of this chapter from Hebrews as the subject And we noted in that particular eight verses that the writer to Hebrews was explaining the fact that there were many people within the church that were unsaved. We took that line of thought and dealt with it to the end that there would be people perhaps even within this church who may have undergone the various regimental type things such as baptism and church membership and all of that without ever actually receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior. The writer goes on in the ninth verse to make a very profound statement when he says, but I believe or I am persuaded that this is not the case with you that every person within the church to whom he was writing were in fact Christian. So we're going to take this theme this morning and make the premise that everyone in this congregation is a Christian. I cannot say otherwise. None of us can, can determine what is the condition of your soul as far as Jesus Christ is concerned. So let me make a preliminary statement, and we probably will not come back to this general theme throughout the message, that if you have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there is the appeal of the Scripture, there is the appeal of the Church, there is the appeal of general nature, everything where we might turn, What we might say, what we might do, points out to the fact that there is a God and there is a Son of God who is the Savior of the world and that without Him as your own personal Savior, you will never enjoy eternal life. But what are those of us who are Christian? Of whom those words could not be said. The ninth verse states that the writer of Hebrews was convinced that there were better things that could be said of those people. For they have the things that accompany salvation. And it's from that phrase that we get the title of the message this morning, things that accompany salvation. He says, I have a better opinion of you than that you would be in the church and not to be saved. Let me say to you, I have a very high opinion of you. There have been demonstrated in your lives in these past few months that I've been here as your interim pastor. A definite affirmation of your faith in Jesus Christ the lives of many, many of you. It's been demonstrated in the prayers that you have uttered. 
in your desire to visit that many of you are doing, in the tremendous demonstration of your love for the lost. And this is great. And I would say with the writer to Hebrews that I am persuaded of better things of you as well. That you're a church who believe in Jesus Christ. You have a genuine faith. You are saved and you know you're saved and you demonstrate your salvation. And this is important. That we demonstrate our salvation by that which we do, by that which we are, by that which we say. That people outside the church will have no question in their minds and in their hearts that we preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified, not just from the pulpit or from the choir loft or from the Sunday school class, but we preach it daily in our lives, in our daily walk, in society, where we live and where we work. And when we have this kind of a demonstration of our faith in Jesus Christ, we will be lifting Him up and He will be drawing all men unto Himself. And we're seeing this take place and how important it is. Because we have the things that accompany salvation. Now, if one is a Christian, and let me pause before completing that sentence to make a few comments. If. Peter, over in 2 Peter 3.11, makes, uh, makes these words. If you want to go with me to 2 Peter 3.11, we have the words that state this. As soon as I can find it. I'm looking in 2 Peter 2.11, and that wasn't working. In 3.11, we have these words. Seeing then that ye have all these things shall be dissolved. Let me start over. Because I put a wrong word in there. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be in holy conversation and godliness? What manner of person ought ye to be if you are a Christian? Now immediately some of you could probably start saying, well, let me tell you, there are days that I don't feel much like being a Christian. Or I probably don't feel like I even am one. Do any of you have those times of doubt? When if you had to stand up and say, absolutely, I am saved right this moment, when you're down in the depths of despair, it might be difficult to come forth with that statement. Because you don't feel saved in any given moment in time. You don't feel that way. Let me say this. Our salvation is not based upon our feelings. There are many times that I don't feel right with God. As a matter of fact, there are many times that I am not right with God and you're not right with God. But does this mean in that low ebb in our life when we have sunk to the depths 
of the, off the pinnacle and into the valley that we have lost our salvation? No, not at all. We can proclaim with Paul, as he did, I am persuaded that that which I have committed unto him against that day, he will keep. What had Paul committed unto the Lord but his soul? But we, like Paul, can say those things that I want to do, I don't do. Those things that I don't want to do, I discover myself doing. Have you ever had that experience? And does that mean when you have done those things that you don't want to do and you slap yourself and say, why, oh why did I ever do that? That you have lost your salvation? Not at all. Not at all. So, if we are a Christian, even in those times of despair and the depths, or on those times when we're on the mountaintop, you see, it's easy to be a Christian when you're church. It's real easy for all of us to be Christian this morning. Our test comes tomorrow morning, when we must go to work. And tomorrow at 4 o'clock, when we have had a bad day all day long. And next Friday evening when the week is over and we have been in the depths of problems and despair and we don't feel very much like a Christian, we must come back to the statement of Paul and other things that we could read that we won't have time this morning and say, I am persuaded that that which I have committed unto him, he will keep. The actual King James is, I am persuaded that that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Alright, let's go on a little further. So we are a Christian. And we don't have any doubts about it. We have our assurance. And what advantage is there to being a Christian? Have you ever asked yourself that question? It seems as though people who are not Christian have a lot better life than I have. Has that statement ever crossed your lips? Things go a whole lot better for the non-Christian than for me. I think we must go back to Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. Go back there if you have your Bible. Why don't you read it? Chapter 3. Verse 14. You see the words that you have just admitted in your own mind and heart that you have spoken and saying, my, it is a much greater advantage to be a non-Christian than a Christian. Because of all that we can see. Even people in the Old Testament said the same thing. Verse 14, ye have said, it is vain to serve God. 
And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? What advantage, he's saying. Now, we call the proud, that is the unsaved, those who are haughty and high-minded, who are not Christian, we call the proud happy. There are lots of happy people this morning doing lots of fine things this morning. As soon as it warms up a little more, you're going to see them on the riverbanks and in the campgrounds, which is not bad in itself. And we would think, I would whole lot rather be there than in church this morning. So they're happy. They that work wickedness are set up. They've got everything they want. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. They can almost shake their fist in the, in the face of God and they get by with it. Then they that fear the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance, underline, highlight that phrase, a book of remembrance was written before him for them that fear the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth not. For behold, verse uh, chapter 4, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly sh uh, shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves in a stall. What does he mean? I used, as you know, own a farm. Maybe you do not know that I raised calves 600 a year, 200 at a time. Calves growing up in a stall kick up their heels and have a happy time as long as they're well fed and, and well watered and cared for. And that's the kind of description he's giving of God's people. We are going to live as young animals kicking up our heels and enjoying life because the Lord has provided everything we're ever going to need. The day will come when we will be like that. And he will remember in verse 16, he is making a book of remembrance. Do you think that all of your time that you've spent serving the Lord is in vain? Is there no profit in being a Christian? Is there no advantage to being a Christian? And the Lord says through Malachi, I can assure you the day's coming when you're going to be glad that you have been faithful, that you've served the Lord, that you've gone to church, that you've prayed. Because the reward is yet future for the Christian. A book of remembrance. And here in the ninth 
uh, well, in the 10th verse, he says, The Lord is not unrighteous to forget your works. The Lord will remember your faithfulness. And so if rough times come and difficulties come, and you think that all of society is better off than you, you have to drive an old clunker when others have good cars. You don't have all the fine clothes when others have everything. You can't take the vacations when everybody else is going. And they look so happy. Remember, the day is coming. Payday is coming. They will be punished with eternal damnation. And you and I, who have been faithful to the Lord, will live in his house forever, kicking up our heels like calves. Is it worth it? Now why does he say that God will not forget? Look in verse 10 again. Because of your work and labor of love. You see those phrases? He will not forget, folks, our work and our labor of love. Malachi said he's writing a book to remember. And he will remember all those things that we have done and suffered and gone through and all of our faithfulness. He will remember our work and our labor. But I want you to notice the phrase, I love. He will remember that which we have done in love. Jesus sat around the campfire with his disciples after the crucifixion and Jesus turned to Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And then the Lord said, then feed my sheep. Do labor of love. Because you love me. All the way back in the book of Genesis, Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices to the Lord and, and, and presented them to him, and God would rejected Cain's sacrifice. We're not going into the whys of that this morning. And Cain killed his brother Abel and buried his body in the ground and hid him from the Lord. And the Lord came inquiring of Abel and asked Cain, Where is your brother? And Cain, in so many words, said, How should I know? Am I my brother's keeper? God said, What have you done? In other words, Indeed you are. Indeed, folk, we are our brother's keeper. Indeed, we are responsible not only for their physical well-being, we're responsible for their soul. One of the things that is going to bother me when I get to heaven, and I see the record of my own life, that book of remembrance, the Lord is going to let me examine the things that will trouble me are those things that I failed to do in bringing the gospel to people when I had the opportunity to do it. To speak to the lost 
And they are now in hell because I failed in my responsibility to feed God's sheep. That's not only a task and a responsibility of the preacher. It's the responsibility of every Christian who sits in the pew. You have your areas of responsibility, your labor of love, when you are expected to proclaim the gospel, not just by the way you live, but by the spoken word to people with whom you come in contact. Your soul is responsible for their soul. What have you done? Do you love me, Jesus said to Peter. And Peter responded, yes, Lord, I love you. Then he said not only to Peter, but to you and me, if we proclaim that same statement. If we are Christian, if we say we love the Lord, then we will feed his sheep. We'll proclaim the gospel in our lives in such a manner those who are not Christian will receive him as Lord and Savior. And if we do that, the Lord will not forget it. That we have worked and labored in love toward his name. But how have we done it? In that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. In other words, what he's saying is you have been doing that and you're going to continue to do it. Our responsibility is to do something for others. It is not enough for us to come to church and sing and hear prayers and praise God, which is good. It's not enough to come and listen to a sermon, to go to Sunday school class and hear a tremendous teacher teach a fine lesson as we had today, at least in our class and I'm sure in others. That's not enough. It means that we get up and by the power of the Spirit we go into our everyday walk and there in the love of Jesus Christ we take care of the people with whom we come in contact. This is what a Christian is. Do we have the things that accompany our salvation? And when we do, and if we do, we'll see revival because we'll be lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. And He will do the drawing to Himself. We want souls saved in this church and we've seen some people baptized in the past few weeks. There are others in this congregation and in this community that are considering very strongly this question of what are they going to do with Jesus Christ. I don't know what you're going to do with it. But you'll know. If you're a Christian, you're going to proclaim him in love. If you're not a Christian, we invite you to accept him in love. Will you do that? Then we pause for just a moment of prayer. 
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.